What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. Hey there, everybody. This is Jason Skulls from the band Dead Harrison. You're watching me now on Rat Salad Reviews. But I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here to talk about the master himself, Mr. King Diamond. Yes, I consider myself a very big diamond banger. I've been listening to him ever since them came out, 88, 89, whenever that was. Um, her first time I heard him was Hooked. Pretty soon thereafter, definitely heard Merciful Fate. Realized it was one and the same. Love both bands. Been seeing King ever since with both bands since uh, the mid-90s. Um, one thing that's really cool that I have as a big King Diamond fan is the tattoo of the House of God. And, yep, that's the painkiller above it, but uh, we're not talking about Priest today. We're talking about King. So, um, continuing on with King and seeing him and being a huge fan and everything, uh, one of the times I got to see him was... Uh, in Queens, New York some years back, back in, I don't know, late 90-something, maybe early 2000, and I met him backstage, or outside the venue, really, and got this autograph from him, got to say a couple words to him about how much, you know, he meant to me, it was a, an amazing opportunity to, to meet him, that was so wonderful. Um, last time I saw him, I actually met his doctor, the one that did his heart surgery. King pointed him out. After the show, I went, I saw the, the doctor at the soundboard, said hi to him, thanked him for all of us, you know, just thanked him for giving King Diamond some more life so that he could give us everything he's been giving us all these years. Um, couple, a show before that on the Abigail tour when he played with Exodus, uh, I was right up front. Uh, got one of these bad boys from uh, Pontus Edberg. I hope I said his name right, but uh, bass player. Um, another thing I, I got out, I don't know, one of his shows a few years back was uh, oh, was uh, one of these guys. A nice little scarf. You know, who makes scarves? King. King makes scarves. You live in New England, it gets cold, you need a scarf. You're going to want a King Diamond scarf. Uh, another thing I got that's really badass is this King Diamond right here from uh, Knuckle Bones. It's, uh, I forget the scale size, but it's an exact replica. And, you know, the detail on this thing is amazing. You know, I love it. It's a really good solid piece. I actually have number, what's that say? I'm looking at it backwards. It looks like it's 732 out of uh, 1777 of these that were made. I got that, love it. I uh, can't think of much else to say about King and my love for him other than obviously all of his albums, listen to him all the time, love him. You see I got a tattoo, obviously many t-shirts along the way, some I just wore the shit out of, don't have anymore. Some went into retirement where I still have the shirt, but never going to wear it again because it's just, if I do, it's going to just fall apart. But uh, yeah, that that's it in a nutshell. Mr. King Diamond. This has been Jason Skulls. I'm out. 
Broadcast belongs to them. We are here today with the usual Ralph Vieira, and the other usual Greg Noggle, and me myself. But we have a guest with us this time, Lisa Mann. Hi, Lisa. Hello there. Hi, Welcome, Lisa. Lisa. And Lisa, hey, 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 hey. Lisa just released her uh, first metal album, White Crone. Silent The poisoner. The poisoner. Yes. Please yeah. go get it. Where can people get your uh, your uh, CD? Oops, I just. Uh, let that would be whitecrone.bandcamp.com. That's right. Go get it. Yeah. And, uh, so find it at Bandcamp, musicmillennium.com. It's also like on Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, all of that stuff. So add it to your Spotify playlist, please. Yes, please do. Please. So like we it. all. Very and good. I as a point. very, oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> as a very new wave of British heavy metal feel to it, I like. Oh, it. I gotta hear this. I told That's you that they had the video, Ralph. You'd like it, Ralph. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Definitely will. That's Sounds like it's up my alley. Yes, definitely. But uh, we're not here to talk about your album, Lisa. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, we're here to talk about your shirt, Wayne. That's right. We're here to talk about this band. <laughs> Die. No, we're here to talk about King Diamond, and we are no! up to. That's right, we are up to Abigail, the most famous King Diamond album ever. I think, right? Probably most popular. I I'd say that's kind of debatable with them, though, because oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they used Welcome Home in uh, Clerks too. Jay and Silent Bob played it throughout the movie, and I think that uh, kind of led to a resurgence in King's popularity a little bit. This is probably true. But they have not done a them tour. They have done an Ab- Abigail tour. Right. So, story. That's right. That'd be cool, though, if they did a, a them tour, but they also have to do conspiracy, so they make a whole thing about it, you know? Right. They probably, they probably won't, though. Who knows? We'll see what happens. If we ever get back to normal life. 
<laughs> All right. So, anyway, the album starts off with Funeral. Lisa, do you want to start this off? We are gathered here tonight to lay to rest Abigail Lefay, whom we now know was first born dead on the 7th day of July, 1777. That is right. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Abigail must be nailed to her coffin with seven (laughs) silver spikes. One through each arm, hand and knee, and let the last of the seven be... Ah, crap. What's the word? Put her in the eye. Yeah, drawn through her mouth, I think is what she says. So that she may never rise and cause evil again. And then I think O'Brien says he'll be first, but I don't remember the exact line. Who would be the first? <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. I, O'Brien of the Black Horseman. <laughs> awesome intro. In the Danish accent. Really cool intro. It starts off kind of like, uh, almost like a Freddy Krueger kind of movie type sound to a thing. It's really mm-hmm. awesome. Um, you know what it actually makes me think of more that way? And this might be what King was going for a little bit with a more gothic story too, but it reminds me of the Vincent Price intros from the old Hammer horror films, like Witchfinder General and stuff like that. Because they used to do that at the beginnings of them old uh, AIP horror movies. That's true. Who's washing dishes behind somebody? Uh, That would be me. (laughs) Tell them to stop slamming the dishes. (laughs) Stop slamming the goddamn dishes. Hey, I live alone. Uh, it's Tony, Abigail. I can do that. <laughs> hey, cut it out, Tony. What the hell? Fucking Tony. Always disrupts the show. Anyway, all right. Anybody want to say anything else about funeral? It's awesome. I love when he does it live, when he does a little lip sync with the baby doll. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got yep. the little cough in there. Yeah, that's awesome. And then he sticks the, the knife right through the mouth of the baby, usually. So that's cool. Yep. Shock your mom stuff. Yep. And then we get to Arrival. Hold on here. Sorry. That must be it. That's right. So uh, Jonathan and Miriam arrive at the mansion, and the horsemen uh, show up, and they're giving their cryptic warning of 18 will become 9. That's right. That is right. Uh, I love this song. It's such a, a great opener. And... The only thing that was a little weird to me, for some reason, I think like the first notes that King hits is kind of odd in a way to me. I don't know. It just doesn't sound like... It sounds a little odd. I, I can't even describe it. It just sounds like he wasn't like, I don't know, almost ready well, to come in or something. It's weird. You, you know, that actually brings up something I was going to say later on, but I'll mention it now when he ends up. He sounds almost a little bit transitional on this. He's kind of right between merciful fate and... Right completely becoming King Diamond, which I feel happened on them. Not that this isn't an awesome album. I love it, but you can tell even as good as this is, he was just starting to figure it out exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, this is like the... It's still a continuation of Merciful Fate. Mm -hmm. The first King to Fatal portrait was... And then, and then this, it was the same, same band. Basically, it's three-fifths of Merciful Fate. So, you know, it's, it's still got that flavor to it. And mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, he's still co-writing, but he's also starting to, you know, he's starting to write almost everything. And he wrote, King Diamond wrote almost everything on this album. There's only a few songs that he co-wrote with Andy or with Michael. So, yeah, it's really starting to become its own thing and very neoclassical. I mean, there's still a lot of that groove and still some of that, you know, you know, uh, the uh, uh, pentatonic scales and the kind of bluesy, groovy stuff in there, but really neoclassical. And I don't know if that's what Andy Rock brought to the game, but, uh, you know, wow, this song especially, it starts out really grand and then it kicks into double time. But it's very, you really hear the classical influence on this record. Yes. Ralph. I got to say, uh, the funniest story about this song is um, the very first time I ever heard it, uh, We, uh, me and my friends, we used to hang out at this place called Pelican Harbor where we go and drink liquor and smoke weed. And there were some pe- other metalheads we didn't know that had Abigail, and I haven't heard it yet. So he put it on. When this song came on, the part where King says the coach has stopped, I could have yes. sworn... My first impression, I was like, "Did he just say the Cotex is stuck?" <laughs> <laughs> and every time I listen to that song, listen to that part, it sounds like he's saying the Cotex oh, no. is stuck. And I was like, "Wow, man, King's getting real vile now, man." Talk about the Cotex being stuck on Abigail, I guess. I don't know what this song is about. But yeah, I will never unhear that. Yeah, Take was, off uh, on Carrie. You'll never yeah, hear we're all gonna hear it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ralph. So, yeah, this is a, a, a slamming song. I mean, uh, a lot of people point at Abigail as the best King Diamond album. Uh, it'd probably be my second or third. No, it'd be my third. But I don't blame people that would say this is their favorite one. Yeah. This album is just so coherent and so killer. The very first real concept album King did. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of thought went into this. And uh, it's just a slam. This song is a great opener. Great opener. It's just a a great, you know, just a a great song to let you know what you're in for, you know. Yeah. And it gets better. Yes, it does get better. Oh, yeah. It's a a great opener. And uh, like Lisa was saying, uh, with Andy's more uh, classical leanings on this, it opens it up very well on the first little bit of Arrival and kind of sets the stage there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, All right. So, A Mansion in Darkness. This has to be one of my favorite King Diamond songs ever, I think. Uh, It's literally about uh, when they enter the house for the first time, and uh, the house seems to be alive. And Mm -hmm. um, there is a a spirit in the house, right? A shadow. Uh, shadow. uh, There's uh, the shadow of the ghost. Right. Wall. Uh, washing dishes. Wash, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the house began to breathe. That's right. I was trying to read Greg's. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that's why I was laughing <laughs> because I was texting it to you because I couldn't get uh, it to come up online, and I was like writing shorthand. That's yeah. why I started laughing when, when you said it's literally about when they first go to the. House. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reading what I'm writing. Uh, reading what I, what you wrote, whatever you understand. But anyway, we know what the song's about. Uh, I love how this song starts off with that um, 
like that ghostly intro. I don't know what what do you call that, uh, Lisa? Um, I'm trying to remember the intro of this one. Would it, it be like with the, I with the volume to it again knob? Yeah, 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 yeah. It like starts uh, up low and then it gets louder. I don't know what you. Yeah, call that. I don't know what you, what do you call that? It's like a ghostly type effect. Kind yeah. Of a, cres- a crescendo. There you go. That's that sounds a like crescendo. Perfect. Yeah. But I love that intro with the guitars, with that that, that high guitar uh, note that they hold in, and then the drums kick yeah. in, and it's a fast song, like a galloping beat on it. Um, uh-huh. It's just so a really cool um, chorus in this song as well. Oh, the chorus is very melodic, and you know you I, you hear this. There's this kind of um, like in Gypsy. Mm-hmm. You know the song. I hear the gypsy wagons, and it's like the boom, 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 boom. This four-four kind of a thing, and you hear that through. You know, even the old merciful fate, and through this, and that makes an appearance again. And that, that's like this thing that's kind of unique to merciful fate and King Diamond, and it's groovy. It's right. kind of groove metal in a way. You know, and you hear that again in this song and it makes an appearance later on in the record too. So it's got these like merciful fate isms mm-hmm. in there. So I, you know, and like I said, basically this is still, this is still merciful fate, but it's becoming more sophisticated. Yeah. You know, it's becoming more proggy, a little more classical, right. a little more sophisticated. Now, what do you guys, who do you think is a better team? Because with Andy and, and Michael dinner, I, I think, in some ways, they might have been better than uh, Dinner and Hank Sherman. Well, how do you guys feel? I mean, because mm-hmm. they're doing these first two albums that King Diamond has done, they work really, really well. Mm-hmm. As far as like straight ahead, uh, progressive, and uh, technically, yes. But uh, I, I lean toward more Dinner Sherman because of the organic nature of, yeah. uh, of the, 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 you know, but, you know, if you're into the, precise, uh, you know, technical proficient, then yeah, of course it'd be Rourke and Denner, but, you know, I I like the more organic uh, nature of uh, Denner and Sherman on those early Fade albums. Yeah. yeah, it was more raw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely more raw. That's true. Great. And I and love... The, and I they love... were just as in tune with each other because, you know, they grew up playing together, so... Yeah. That's part of the magic of the Merciful Fate albums. I really love the razor sharp choruses in Mansion of Darkness. The way he sings it, he delivers mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. so I don't know. It just cuts you. Yeah. You know? and, then, and he uses uh, a lot more, um, uh, you know, a lot more uh, voice changes on on this uh, song too. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. different, like the uh, growling type thing, and this, you know, more mm-hmm. of the yelling stuff. What did he have to do? Uh, but with characters, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm right. trying to remember. Is yes. he playing characters throughout this song? Yes, or changing yes. his voice. Mm-hmm. Right. He j- he's just not quite as defined with it here as he was when he started. Like Grandma and Missy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still pretty hammy. I mean, there's it some is. hammy shit on his record, and I I love that because he's just fearless. He's just totally uninhibited. You know. I so if he does a woman's shit. voice, you know, he'll do a woman's voice and do a demon's <laughs> voice. And, you know, it's like my favorite lyric great. in this song is actually when he yells alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, what do you think about uh, Mansion in Darkness? 
This is my favorite song on the record. I love the whole thing from beginning to end, and uh, definitely one of the best solos on the album, too. Oh, yes. But, right. um, yeah, I think this is really where you feel how strong the story is, and it really starts to come together and pick up speed. And that 4-4 four, four beat is probably my favorite part. Like, it sounds like Merciful Fate. <laughs> yeah, it just makes you bang your head. Yeah. I agree. It's my favorite off the album. Go as well. heavy metal. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Very cool, Ralph. Anything else? Uh, no. Yeah, I just pretty much said you know the, the the verse is is my favorite part where it picks up to. Yeah. Uh, but the chorus is awesome, and the whole the whole thing is awesome. But as I said, I just love that bitey type singing he has. The the vocal mm-hmm. melody is very choppy and killer. Man, I love yeah. it. Uh, the Family Ghost. Actually, I believe this also became their first video. Yes, it yeah. was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, and uh, by the time they did the video, he had already changed his makeup to the them makeup, actually. Right. Oh, yeah, I think that was around the time Gene Simmons was wanting threatening. Gene filed the suit or was threatening it during the tour for Fatal Portrait. Yeah. By the time the lawyer got around to issuing the letter, it was like mid-87, and King was already really getting ready to move on to the next album anyway. But um, they they ended up changing it before they shot the video anyway. Not not by much, though. They they had that stupid nine on on his forehead, too. It was kind of... (laughs) (laughs) It's not any worse than the eye patch. I mean... Oh, you I, gotta I admit, the eye patch was cool. Yeah, you gotta admit, uh, the, the nine was distracted by him eating chicken in the video. <laughs> yes, and that, yes. What the hell was that about? What the hell well, was the whole here, video about, really? Well, you know, here, King, eat a chicken. You know, so, so look. It like, was like he stopped at medieval times or something, you know? Yeah. The but, well, you know, I mean, America, Colonel Sanders, KFC, maybe in Denmark, it's Count Lafay. Yeah. Well, Norwegian Denmark, fried I guess, chicken. Yeah. I guess in Denmark they don't cook it either because that looked raw. <laughs> ah, chicken sushi. Yeah. As long as it's not a bat. Oh, don't God. eat the bat. Please be, don't eat yeah, any more bats. No more bats. Too late. <laughs> uh, who would have known? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Great. song. Of course, yeah, my I, favorite I, line Beware of the slippery stairs. Oh yes! And break your neck! Yeah. And break your neck! You know, That's you always know, the best like, part. Like uh, everybody that watched that on MTV that had no idea who King Diamond was, seeing that <laughs> video for the first time, they must have been like baffled. Right. What the fuck am I watching? <laughs> you know, with the laugh after the slippery stairs and stuff, they're like, "Wow, what the hell is this?" You know. Then he had that Jester guy dancing around too, and. Then... Everybody's dressed up in all the like weird costumes, and there's people yeah. dancing. There's like a wrestling ring, I think, or something in the middle of the video and too. King I, wasn't I impressed. He was like, "Yeah, no, he, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> what a video! Yes. The, the funny to do part. With the, story. <laughs> the funny no, part about um, about that is I was watching this interview with him earlier, and uh, they're talking about Hamlet and the Halloween picture disc, and they said. Oh, but, you know, he was only the prince of Denmark, and he goes, that's right, I'm bigger than Hamlet. 
<laughs> yeah, John Lennon was John Lennon was bigger than Jesus, but King Diamond is bigger than bigger Hamlet. Than Hamlet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we see what uh, how, what happened there. Um, yeah. um, oh, and the other thing I hated too about that video is they, they cut the song short. Yeah, and but you know why? Uh, if you want to look it up, I know those final lyrics they kicked out of the they. It, it has something to do with suicide or death or something, and I have a feeling that's why they did it because the subject matter of the lyrics they cut out of the video. Mm. You know how it was the satanic panic back that's then true. and yeah. censorship. Whatever those last, I mean, if you want to look up the last lyrics, um, what they cut out. Yeah, what they cut out is. What mm. what the horsemen um, are not the horsemen. Jesus, this is um, the count Johnson. spirit talking to him. Yeah, the last thing the count says. I'm looking at it right now. Is the spirit of Abigail is inside your wife, and there's only one way you can stop the rebirth of evil itself. You must take her life now. So see, I can yeah, I can uh, see how that got cut out of the video. You got to kill your her wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can? Yeah. Don't take this seriously, kids. Yeah, don't do this, don't do this at home. Don't try this at home. That's a big no-no. But but Madonna can get impregnated by his by a ceramic uh, religious figure in 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 church at that time. If you remember <laughs> that video, that's okay. That's fine. Uh, huh. I thought Madonna, that was a Pepsi over. commercial for some reason. But. Yeah, that, the back, back then the, the Satanic Panic man, that thing was yeah. real. I actually had a friend who was into Merciful Fate and King Diamond and all this kind of stuff and Halloween and everything. And his mom took his records one day while he was at school and dumped them in a garbage can, poured lighter fluid on them and set them on fire. Yep, because Satan was coming into her home through his, you know, Merciful Fate records. Well, I know somebody who'd be spending their last days in the worst nursing home I could find. Listen, man, that's unforgivable. (laughs) Those church videos back then ruled, though. You got to admit, with those preachers holding up records and playing them backwards. Oh, my God. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in retrospect, but it's also awesome that's how, right. how these people are so freaked out what was great about yeah. merciful fate king diamond you you just play it forwards it's yeah right. you didn't have to play it backwards <laughs> exactly. trouble. i mean they yeah. found stuff on elo records sticks records yeah. <laughs> have you yeah. guys ever have you guys ever seen the uh adam sandler movie little nicky yes I don't yeah, know. When it, well, the the demons that come up to help him, he's trying to play him uh, this Aussie record backwards. He's like, "What do you think he's saying here?" And he goes, "Absolutely nothing, dude. Dad always hid the, hid the messages and the big sellers, and he puts on Chicago." <laughs> and I forget what the name of the hit from that first album is, but he starts playing the chorus backwards, and it says, "In the name of Lucifer, I command you to spread the blood of the innocent." Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> he goes, "See." <laughs> Actually, Ralph, you did an episode of uh, backwards uh, music not too long ago. Yeah, I what I did was I talked about you know stairway to heaven backwards, and then I invented a few. I put yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I put like, uh, oh, here's Backward Masking on Striper album. And, and then when you play it backwards, I put like 
I put some of the dialogue of the exorcist, like, stick her cock up your ass, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hell. That's what you hear backwards on a striper album. <laughs> shit like that. Funny shit like that. Yeah, that and cool. I was made for loving you if you play it backwards and it's Paul hitting on you. <laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff. Uh, but getting back to the, the, the song itself, uh, thank God it's not as corny <clears throat> as the video is, and it's a very, very good song. Um, I mean, it's a, a good song to, you know, to pick for a video, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Again, Again, it's got good verses, good choruses. Uh, the guitar work is awesome. The drum work is awesome, which you can say for every song on his album. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's all brilliant in that super neoclassical, but yeah. still, it's groovy. It's yeah. still groovy. Yep. It's and that rogue solo. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. That signature. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, this shit's amazing. Um, there was a thing that I read up about this song uh, that he did an interview. Um, at the end of the song, it is a song, Greg, right? Uh, Family Ghost. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the song, he re- ended up recording. I guess what was at the end? Um, some of the lyrics. What What was the lyric? Um, do you remember something about? Oh, um, um, st- still, still. Oh, stillborn. Like when you know at that part where he repeats oh, it. Still yeah. Born, still at the end. At the end of that, it sounds like it says. That's right. Stillborn. Yes, and he th- says that like two or three times, and then after that, there's like some kind of weird sound. Yeah, and apparently, yeah. apparently he never recorded that. Oh, it's just like a ghostly what? figure. That's yeah, it's it's, 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 it's yeah. yeah, it sounds like cool. it's 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 like reverberating back. I don't know, like a demonic voice. It's weird. Yeah. So, the seventh day of July, seventeen seventy-seven. I think we were at. Thank you. You could have kept going with that, and that's what we are on. Uh, the song is basically a flashback of uh, finding out the baby isn't uh, Count De La Faze. So he yes. sho- he shoves. Uh, you wrote "bitch," Greg, but <laughs> <laughs> shoves her down the stairs. Uh, then he names the baby Abigail and uh, decided to mummify the corpse. Yes, and place it in the crypt in a sarcophagus. Yeah, I wrote bitch because I was stoned as I was reading the lyrics. And, you know, it starts <laughs> off, Count LaFay uncovered his cheating wife, nine months of loving and sharing. Oh, it was a bastard child. How could I have been so blind? So, yeah, he's going to shove that bitch down the stairs. <laughs> Greg Shorthand. Don't me push the bitch down the stairs. Wow, you, you nailed it, girl. That was awesome, Lisa. It was. Oh, man, I sang along with all this shit. That's what I did. You know, that's how I, I learned to sing is just singing along with my records. And I drove my mom insane singing along with King Diamond. Oh, yeah. Your next, oh! Face, your next Facebook Live, you're going to have to do a King Diamond cover. There you this go. This one. <laughs> or we could just get her doing a little bump of <laughs> Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> Well, this, this song, man, I mean, he's just, he's just, 
all over the map. I mean, he, he he's always using like the full vocal range of any human being alive, and he really does it in this song. You know, from the growling and up to up to the high notes, and and it's just really hammy. And the whole song is just. It's insane. It's super proggy. It's like in nine eight time. You know, the first section right. as a song is in mm. you know, is in nine, and it's kind of mathy. And Andy LaRock co-wrote this song. I was looking at the at the liner notes. This is one of the songs that they co-wrote together. So okay. I mean, Andy probably is mostly responsible for the intro. You know, because a lot of this still just sounds like it sounds like King Diamond. You know, right. to me. Yeah. But it's just it's it's like all. What I love about it's like when I went to music school for a year, they they would have you do the uh, arrange a song. And so you'd listen to a song in the class and then you put here's the A section. Here's the B section, you know, the verse, the core, the pre-chorus, the chorus. And so but I, I actually went into class with a Merciful Fate song. <laughs> <laughs> and what it song? was like, you know, so one of those I can't remember what song it was. It was probably. I don't know when they came back together and and, and did a record. Oh, I in the shadows, it was like in the shadows or something. And so it was like one of those songs. Like it's like here's the it's A B A B C B D E F G H I J K because there's all these different sections that they write. They're just these little instrumental bits, and yeah. it's like it could be like. 500 songs in like one song you could take any one of these little riffs anywhere in this album and just repeat it over and over again and it'd be a a, a great song on somebody else's album mm. but they just have all these little nuggets man so it's all that uh, you know multi-movement stuff right. that's on this record and it's just it's just brilliant it's just brilliantly written and uh you know you could just write a whole you know thesis on on just this record alone. Right. Yeah. It's another one of my favorite songs. Um, again, mm. a lot of great catchy stuff in this song. Just uh, the, the vocals and the, the lyrics and everything. And um, great chorus. Um, I, yeah, I, I love this song, you know. It's just, I mm. love the whole fucking album. What, what else can I really say about it? Just, <laughs> it just worked. At least I said pretty much everything already. So it's like, you know, it's hard to add to that. Because I feel the same way. It's yeah, just, it's I have great something song. to add to it. Add to it, please. My do. favorite line. I'm dying here. My, you know, yeah, like, I always got the favorite line. No bastard baby will inherit yeah. what's mine. <laughs> will inherit what's mine. Love it. Love it. <laughs> My favorite part is actually when he sings in 1777 on the seventh day of July. Because he does that so smoothly and so well with the inflection on his voice. It never trips up and it comes out beautiful. You know, he sang what he wanted to sing and he worked it into the song perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, not 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 to get morbid about this, but a a sheer coincidence on this year on 7th of July, my friend's father passed away and his name was John Jonathan. It was oh, very I eerie. I remember. It was like, wow, today's the seventh. And, and the album, when, when did this album come out? 87. Uh, I mean, I mean, come on. October it, 21st. All right, then it was it, it was uh, 88, 88 when his father died. And it was on the 7th of July, and his name was John. Yo, stop licking me. Get out of here. <laughs> 
Tell your roommate to knock that off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say if it was like, the roommate, put put the camera a little lower. Like, <laughs> dog, people, my eye. People listen to the podcast like, well, who the fuck's looking who? <laughs> it's a weird show. Um, yeah. See, all right. So that that sugar, she kind of looks like a ghost. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, great, great ending to uh, side one. Uh, just awesome. And um, we're actually going to have an interview right now with Sean Peck. Right, Greg? That's right. Right on. That's right. This is actually uh, Abigail right here. Uh, Sean Peck's first uh, King Diamond album, and he loves this album a lot. And he's going to tell us some stories about that, as well as his other project, that, uh, bands. I shouldn't say project because he hates that, but other bands that he has going on right now as well. Mm-hmm. So we will see you guys next time. Bye. Later. Later. Uh, let's see. Welcome to this broadcast belongs to them, Sean. We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Tons of, tons of stuff to talk about. Oh my God! We haven't seen you since you uh, put out the Three Tremors thing, which uh, we just re-released as a three solo version album thing. How do you like it? I. I love it. It's very cool. It's it's cool to hear a different side of uh, you know all these songs. It's it's nice. It's it's a good. I'm glad you you released that. Rip Ripper's version is so awesome, man. It's, it's incredible. Oh, yeah, you're all good though. So it's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't going to toot my horn, but my my version is fucking amazing too. Come it, on, it's probably the best. <laughs> I actually I took everybody else's out and I just left yours in there. I think I. <laughs> But then, yeah, then you re-released the uh, one of the Cage albums, uh, two of the Cage albums, Science of Annihilation, and uh, one of my favorites, Darker Than Hell. Darker Than Black on Darker vinyl. Black. What did I say? Hell, Darker Than Black. Yes, on vinyl. I had to have that on vinyl. I was that's that was my first album, and that was uh, of yours. And it was, I had to get the vinyl. Awesome. Some say our best ever, but you know, I still I, Science of Annihilation is my uh, mm. is my favorite, and. That's why when, you know, Dave suggested we remix that, I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And people love the way you, I just got like two guys go like, dude, I can't even listen to the old version now. Like, they're, like, <laughs> they're like ruined. Like, dude, I can't even put that thing on anymore. Wow. Yeah, it did have like a little bit of a, a strange mix, but uh, either way, it's still, they're both awesome. Well, that was the first one we self-mixed and we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, now, now we've, we've, well, I should say, Dave, when I say we, I mean Dave. I just go in and go, yeah, it sounds good, dude. Turn up the vocals. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we re, you know, we re-recorded the drums and some guitar, you know. So, and right. it's not just like, oh, we remastered it. I mean, it's there's a lot re-recorded, and there's it's a remix and a remaster. So it's uh, that's why it sounds so cool. Oh, really cool. All right, so everybody, go out and go buy that. Science of Annihilation Re-Annihilated. That's right. And it can be found on your website, cage.com, right? Or cagemetal.com. Cageheavymetal. Cageheavymetal.com. That's right. Or steelcartel.com. It's got links to everything. Okay, cool. 
I will put that in the show. Well, why we had you on here is because, uh, you know, we do a King Diamond podcast, and uh, I want to know what got you into King Diamond, because you're a huge King Diamond fan. But you are also involved with some of the people involved with King Diamond, or Merciful Fate, uh, whatever. And uh, so I just want to talk to you about all that stuff. So this yeah. is the King Diamond podcast. This is the King Diamond podcast. Yes. I have, I'm probably the best guest you could ever get for this thing. I have so many secrets. Some I can share with you now. Others I'm not allowed. I can't share for a, a little bit longer into the future. But um, how did I get into King Diamond? I was, um, I, got, I was a late bloomer into heavy metal, kind of like second half of my junior year in high school. I was in high school in Alaska. Right. And... It started with uh, You Can't Kill Rock and Roll, the song by Ozzy on the Diary of a Madman album. Something about that song, man, just freaking, that was the one that brought me in. Then it was the Scorpions Blackout album, and all my friends were like, oh, dude, check out, you know, I was listening to, and as a senior, I was listening to the Warrior tape in Alaska, you know, and then I ended up singing in Warrior, like weird right, shit yeah. like that. Yeah. And then... Uh, so I was like a late bloomer. Then I came down to San Diego for college and uh, got a friend of mine, you know, was working with some other dude. And we ended up like, you know, they were all into fishing. You know, I was I did a lot of fishing in Alaska, but I wasn't like fishing fisherman freak out guy. But it was something to do. Get fucked up and go down to the beach. And and he was like and he put in this King Diamond tape abigail's like you ever heard of king diamond i'm like what the fuck is this and i was just like holy shit and he's like yeah i did have this band merciful fade and then i heard the merciful fade i was just looking at the cd covers and it looked just so fucking scary looking and shit i'm in the in the voice and everything and uh right like two weeks after i was just totally got into king diamond the tour came through la the abigail tour and so i was at like at the height of my geek out and i went up there and i I, uh went up there like noon and we parked in the parking lot of the venue and uh king diamond came out and i got a picture with him i I posted the picture online i look like i'm in a i'm a tennis pro (laughs) (laughs) shirt on and these white shorts and shit (laughs) (laughs) beautiful hair back then it's me and King Diamond, and he autographed my Abigail vinyl, and he put two upside-down crosses and wrote, Come to the Sabbath. Yeah. And I still have that vinyl. Oh, wow. Awesome. And so that show still was in my top probably three greatest shows ever. Right. I mean, they had you know Timmy Hansen with the fucking eye patch. Yep. And I was just like, <laughs> and then it was in this dark, dank shithole, and I remember going to the mcdonald's you know after we saw king and walking around we had time to kill the mcdonald the whole mcdonald's sign was all in spanish and they're uh-huh. like, like what the fuck is this on the freaking like the menu you know that you stared up and looked at oh, really? it was all in spanish. <laughs> um, so i'm like yeah we're i don't know where we are but this is gnarly so that, yeah numbers? so that was, <laughs> what's that did they have numbers back then that you could order from i don't remember that was just like a you know a board that they could like physical letters that they like slid on there. Some I don't remember. Anyways, uh, and so yeah, then I went and saw him a bunch more times, and you know you know obviously was a total fan, and uh, then you know 
little did I know I would be in a band with Hank and Hank Sherman and Michael Denner and King Diamond would end up being mad at me. Man. So uh, that's that's how full circle. <laughs> <laughs> What, what what is this whole thing of him being mad at you? Well, I guess we can get into some of this. Um, Why not? <laughs> first, first of all, you know the whole Denner Sherman thing. Right. I think we should start there. Um, I was just you know on Facebook and saw Hank Sherman, Michael, you know, or Hank Hank Sherman or Denner and Sherman are going to do an album, you know, with multiple singers. Yeah. Um, Blabbermouth or something. So I, um, like, direct messaged Hank Sherman about, um, you know, hey, you know, I'm a singer. You know, I'm in this band. I'd love to try to sing on one of the songs. You know, never thought that. We originally had an idea for, you know, asking Hank Sherman and Michael Denner to do, like, some solos on the Cage Ancient Evil album. Just because it was a horror horror concept album and you know we thought that might be cool we never got around to really doing it so then so then here i am you know saying hey i'd love to sing on the sing on the record so he responded to me like hey when we get closer you know i'll hit you back and i was so excited just for that like you know i was going oh my god dude hank sherman got back to me you know as such a fanboy and then uh the couple months later he's like hey are you still interested i'm like yeah for sure so he sent me uh the track which ended up with being satan's tomb off the ep mm. you know the first the first music video yeah. and, and like he sent me another one and he said um oh try this one this one is what dave mustaine was going to do this one before things got weird <laughs> I don't think anybody knows that. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break some news. Break some news, that. please. We need some news broken on this. Yeah, show. we need some news. Get you guys. Get. I want to get in trouble with Blabbermouth. I need. Yes, if I say something about. I say something about Trump. Maybe I can get on Blabbermouth. Today, <laughs> <laughs> so you can say whatever you want. I I'm not tired of winning yet. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so. Basically, um, uh, the what the second one he sent was ended up being War Witch, and that was more like a painkiller one. I'm like, yeah, these are both cool. So I recorded the chorus like right, like literally twenty minutes after he sent me the Satan's Tomb one. I recorded the chorus idea and sent it to him right away. Right. So he had, I think, within an hour he had, which would be end up being the chorus for that song. And I was just like, oh, man, I hope, uh, please, you know, I'm pins and needles. And then he wrote me back. He's like, hey, do you just want to do the whole EP? And I'm like, yes, I want to do the whole, yes, you don't need anybody else. I will do the whole EP. (laughs) And uh, me and Hank ended up being an incredible writing team together. I mean, that's the shame of this whole, this whole breakdown is that, you know, they, I don't think since the Merciful Fate albums, they had really captured the vibe of what Merciful Fate was until we put out Inner Sherman shit. Because, you know, I I was coming at it from a fan standpoint, you know? Right. Like, when you have this Inner Sherman album, and I'm a Merciful Fate fan, you know, what do I want to hear on this thing? And uh, I think we captured it killer, you know? Hank and I ended up being, you know, I would get him stuff back, and, you know, I started a bunch of those songs with just my vocal ideas, which, 
you know, he, I don't think he was too used to. And so we were, we were killer. We had a bunch of leftover stuff and alternate versions of the songs and shit. Um, you know, we did some shit that right. The last show we did was a festival in Norway and we had just gotten where, you know, I was like, Oh dude, now we're badass live together. You know, we were at that end of the show. We were just fucking lethal. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be sick. And then, you know, people took their time. I was doing other shit. Hank's like, I want to do a solo record, which no one gave a shit about. Mm. And, <laughs> and, He's done a few of know, those. I was working on the Tremors and, you know, the new Death Dealer. You know, I'm all, I'm like two, three albums a year kind of guy, high productivity. Yeah. And uh, the what the of fast forward until now, and um, I got... Uh, we kind of were talking with an agent about doing a Denner Sherman tour in the U S right. and, you know, and so I called up Michael and I go, Hey man, you know, I got a way to do this tour. And he's like, and Michael was in a whole new mindset. He's like, man, I've been playing my ass off. I'm ready to go. I want to do the, before he was like, eh, the U S he wasn't really into it. Right. And he really flipped the script. And now he's like, yeah, let's do it, man. I'm fucking all in, you know, I'm going to call Hank right now. So he calls up Hank and he and he gets me back and he's like, oh well, <coughs> Hank says he's got something coming up and he's gonna biz- be busy the whole year. I'm like, the whole fucking year? What the fuck did you have? You're gonna be busy? <laughs> you don't have two weeks out of that the 52 that you can break out, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, because I, I the furthest thing from my mind was a Merciful Fate reunion because because Michael Denner would have known about that. Yeah, you would think so. I go, yeah. Maybe he's getting back into Volbeat or some shit. And then, <laughs> it, you know, Hank emailed me a couple times. So the news oh, comes no. out. I'm like, okay. So then two weeks goes by, and then this Merciful Fate reunion news comes out with no Michael Denner. And I'm just like, what is this? This is fucking outrageous. No. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they rolled it out was so shitty. Like, they didn't even... They didn't even... Uh, address the dinner situation like no one's going to notice you know right yeah whoever's doing their publicity and marketing is a fucking joke hmm. yeah, uh, right after, yeah right after we did, right we did an like, interview with him it was released that he wasn't in the band it was and of- uh it's funny because i share the same sentiments as you sean and there there were just like these super fans coming back at me on Facebook, like, who fuck you, man, as long as King's there, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, it's fucked up, and Michael deserves to be involved in it. <laughs> Michael, right away, when I saw it, I'm like, just what in the fuck, and, you know, <coughs> uh, wait, I won't get into all the details, but, um, you know, the way it was handled was very cow, it was not cool. I could get into. Yeah, well, uh, well, Hank was working with um, with Michael on his uh, album cover, you know, for his new album and everything. So it was kind of weird to hear that, you know, they didn't talk about it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's when you're that tight with somebody, and you just, you know, there would have been another way to handle it. Like, you know, hey man, we're doing Merciful Fate. King doesn't want you. I'm going to do right. it. I don't have any control over this, but. You know, but no, it's just kind of like, hey, fuck you, fucking eat it. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, like I said, Michael Denner is the heart and soul of fucking <laughs> fate. Yeah, so much. I'm, I'm really disappointed in how that went down. It fucking irritates me. But, um, 
and then going back to the whole the king, the king diamond thing like when we were doing when we were put out masters of evil hank said oh i've got a conference call with king diamond and you know uh he's mad about the album cover because it looks so much like don't break the oath Exactly. Which the art the artist came to us and he goes, Hey, look at this artwork I got. What you want to use this for your next album? He already yeah. had it done, you know? Right. And that looks amazing. Yeah, fuck yeah. We it's not like we went out and said, Hey, copy fucking don't break the oath. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. The artist already had it and we fucking use it. So I you know, Hank's like, I gotta be on the call at noon. So I messaged him like three hours later. I'm like, hey, how'd the call go? And he's like, I'm still on the call. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, I talked to him. And he's like, you know, oh, you know, he, King Diamond cock blocked us with Metal Blade about, we couldn't sell t-shirts in the U.S. with that artwork on it. I mean, a bunch of silly oh, wow. shit. And, uh, you know, that's just a little petty bullshit. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we can't have our little fucking band. Like, there's not enough room for everybody. It's pretty mm-hmm. ridiculous. Anyways, so that, I think, was the source of the fuck you, fuck you situation in the Denner King Diamond camp. But um, is that album cover? Fighting over right. whether this is a fucking album cover or not. And then just the funny thing was Hank said, oh, yeah, and he had some not-so-nice things to say about you. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck did I do? Like, why am I in trouble with King Diamond? What the fuck? So I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Because I, you know, when they came out here to play, like the, you know, their manager asked me to get him a rehearsal room. I got him this killer fucking place, and right. you know, I other things for their manager to help him out. And I'm like, you know, it was all cool, you know, especially when the Denner Thurman Sherman thing was first starting. But, um, you know, out of turmoil, sometimes great things can can come and be created and that's all that i can say towards that right that's uh i've already Mm. revealed the secret to a lot of people on the road but there's Mm. there's a really cool secret that's going to be revealed sometime maybe in the summer but um everyone i've revealed it to is uh excited more than than words can say so that's all i can torture me but um (laughs) Yeah, so it's just a shame, dude. You know, and then you know, then King Diamond does this um, institute tour, right? And so they got one song, and I, you know, I've heard some, I've heard some, some, uh, you know, rumors that man, don't hold your breath on that new album coming out anytime soon. Right. Yeah, we hear that. We hear that a lot. Yeah, I've heard that, as too. As far as how many songs they have put together, man, I don't... I, I have zero uh, idea how many songs are, are put it, together. Yeah, Andy and, and Pontus just did an interview with uh, that uh, Neil Turbin, the old Anthrax uh, singer, and he brought that up. He brought about the Institute song, uh, whatever, the Masquerade of Madness song, and then he asked about the new album, and Andy kind of answered like almost like he didn't know what was going on, kind of. It was very weird. I don't know if you watched that interview or not. No, I mean, I I, I got some really uh, – some, some real. he didn't know what was going on because um, – you, you know, I don't know what's going on. Right, yeah. I, I don't know how – that's just uh, – the way they roll shit out, like here's the artwork – this is the name of the tour for the new album, and there's just the, there's the new album's nowhere in sight. Like I don't, I should do that. I should just get some album cover artwork, record one song, and go fuck the tour on it. Why not? 
but I'm not King Diamond. You know, I'm not beloved by all the metalheads. So what am I going to do? <laughs> hey, that might be I'm the new way. Of, my... It's 2020, so it might be the new thing to do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah single. Yeah, why call not? it an album, right? Exactly. So you know, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I think you know, as a fan, it's just really shitty how they put it together. No one's, you know, they're they're playing festivals and getting paid big money, and um, but. You know, I don't, I don't know. They're probably going to work on a new album from what Hank was saying, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be very interested to see how, you know, I don't know. When's the, how long has it been since the last King Diamond album? God, uh, 2000. Or the 2000. No. Oh, Give King Diamond? Soul, please. Oh, yes, sir. I'm thinking of Merciful Fate. Merciful Fate, it was nine, right. and that was 1999, but, you know. So 2007, so we got 13 years since the last album. That's as long as it took um, for uh, uh, one of those Cage albums to come out. Fucking smoking crack, what are you talking about? (laughs) Have you ever heard of Pecktober? Yes, I did. (laughs) Three albums, one month. I know, I remember that. And they were all fucking masterpieces, so step back. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, man, it's... um, you know, since I'm kind of bitter about it, I'm going to be really have a keen ear to any new songs that come out, because like I said, it's it's just a shame. You know, Hank Hank and I could have ended up being, and you know, I think I'm not tooting my own horn, but you know, we wrote 12 songs and they were all pretty badass, and it, it, we had, you know, we were continuing to, to right. move forward with it, and um, but now there'll be there'll be, you know, there may be something to compare their new songs with with some other uh song give us a little give us a little hint come on (laughs) ah i want to tell i oh man it's come on let's break this on blabbermouth come on i I can't (laughs) i know you can't go that far but (laughs) but uh uh, but um yeah i mean the you know me man i'm all i'm all i'm the idea i'm always got ideas and you know there were other people that ha- happened to have the same idea at the exact same time as me. It was really weird. So, uh, like who? it's, it's going to be cool, <laughs> uh, when we can talk about more stuff, but, <laughs> uh, I will, um, you know, I, I got a real competitive spirit when it comes to this stuff. So of course, even yeah. though I'm, a, I'm, I'm, you know, in the minor leagues, I still like to compete musically with whoever uh, is at the top of the mountain. I don't blame you. And do it well, mate. Do it well. That's right. Yeah, that's a shame. You know, you you only did the, the EP and that one album, and you you really had another few albums in you guys. You know, it's a shame you just didn't get to do them. I mean, there was some magic in there, man. And then you know, like I said, then live we were really it was starting to really. We did we did a festival, and it was like ex, the final three were Exciter, us, and then Enslaved. And wow. Enslaved, it's like that was their hometown, and they were playing this whatever album in its entirety. And I was just like, fuck, dude, we're going to get crushed, dude. Exciter with all those classic songs and Beeler right. and these guys in their hometown. And we ended up just fucking dominating that whole thing. And I was like, fuck yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, then, you know, and then the Bang Your Head, the show before that was really good too. So, mm. you know, we only had six live shows, and, you know, I, it's the sad part of it, you know, it's likely that, you know, you will never see Hank and Michael on the same stage together unless, some, right, you know, yeah. 
There's got to be some major water under the bridge. Right. Uh, have you talked to Snowy Shaw at all since uh, this was all went down? Uh, I was about to break into my Snowy Shaw impersonation, but mm. I'm not. I don't have it perfected yet. <laughs> uh, uh, by talking to Michael and, and, and everything, metalheads are like these warriors, you know, these strong warriors. <laughs> and the they end up being like a bunch of pussies instead of warriors. <laughs> pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> my Hank Sherman person said, no, no, this riff is not evil enough. No, no. <laughs> Every time I call Snowy, I just go, he answers the phone, and I go, no, no, and he just starts break, cracking up. <laughs> I got a good Michael, Michael Denner impersonation, like, oh, this is big. This is big scale. This is not, this is not normal. This is big scale. <laughs> that is really good. That's, that's close. Uh, uh, when we had him on the show, I, I never. We could do I, Halford. We go. We can go. Uh, thought he I was like, like to thank the metal community. The metal community. Anyways, uh, I could. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on my Halford. Yes, you do. I used to have yeah. a great Joey DeMaio too. When we were all in that whole Man of War thing, man, I had I had Joey DeMaio down really good. Go I got to Ross the Voss. Go ahead. I'm playing on stages that suck with bands I hate. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. Who does who does this? It's a disaster. <laughs> All right. That's a really good boss of boss. It is very good. Let me hear you, Joey DeMeo. Uh he gave us when we were cage, you know, we were, he was gonna sign us and make us the biggest band in the world and Magic Circle that, uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that broke up uh Rhapsody. <laughs> Yeah, and um, he sat us down and gave us this big... Sp- I wish I would have recorded it. It was so fucking <laughs> epic speech he gave us. Like, you're nothing better than a bar band. You're barely better than a fucking bar band. <laughs> anyway, somebody gave me a, a helping hand. I can't even fucking choke on it now. <laughs> and I'm going to do the same to you. It's not very good. I, can't even, I haven't talked to him in so long. I haven't told him to fuck off in so long. <laughs> I, the last thing that I did is I asked him... He w- we were arguing, you know, I wasn't really a big Manowar fan, so I wasn't in awe of this dude at all, and so yeah, yeah. we got in a bit, another fucking argument, because he was going back on all the shit that he promised, like, as usual, and I go, let's go to the ATM right now and pull out our fucking ATM slips and see who has more money in the bank right now. <laughs> He's like, Sean, that's not very mature. <laughs> <laughs> fucking right. Anyways. Yeah. We got to. I, I can't. I'm getting off the King Diamond topic. I forgot this was a King yeah. Diamond. Yeah, you're getting off the King Diamond thing. So what's the, what's some big juicy news? I mean, like what's some behind the scenes stuff that probably nobody knows about? I can't tell you. That, well, I can't not, tell not what you're possibly doing next, but you know, any other things that people might want to know? Um. Well, I love the Agent Steel drama. That's just fascinating. Have you been following that? No, I have not. I, I know about something going on, but I I saw so much of shit being written. I I, I said, "Fuck it, I'm not reading that." It's, uh, I mean, I, someone needs to do a, a documentary and like you know, uh, a camera chasing John Cyrus into a grocery store. Because <laughs> I'm friends with Juan Garcia, you know, if I can yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. And so anyway, I don't know why I'm even interested in it. But somehow I just got. Interesting. I've never met this dude or anything, but he's you know 
our booking agent booked a whole tour for them and they were telling us what a fucking disaster it was and him calling them up and i can't give you a picture you know like we need a picture of the band for the promoters and like i can't give you that because someone will put a curse on us we can't have a picture of us out there like shit like that it was just it's fascinating man wow and then that so the band traveler and riot city announced a tour and they did a Star Wars scrolling, you know, text thing. Yeah. You know, like the galaxy, long ago in a galaxy far right. You got to see it. It's so funny. The evil John Cyrus. It's brilliant. I love it. So uh, that's been some fun drama. Juicy insider. Oh, there. Oh, I, there is a big fuck. I can't. I can't reveal that one, though. Oh, come that's on. That's got to be coming out in the next couple weeks i'd get my balls chopped off but there's there's a big announcement coming out it's got to be a couple weeks so there's going to be big killer news for you know true metal fans um i've got a big giant review i hate and i fucking hate it when people go like oh i can't tell you right now it's a secret i fucking hate that it's the lame of the lame but i can't tell you right now it's a secret um so there are two big pieces of news that are going to hit like a fucking Mack truck soon. And are, are they related to them, King Diamond and Merciful Fate? One of them is, yeah. Okay. That's the one I've been teasing. But there's another one that's not related, but that's related to, you know, someone, some band that was all, you know, near and dear to our hearts, and it's going to be big shit. Uh, what other, is there any juicy news that I can tell? Let's see. Um, new Evil Dead album, Juan Garcia and his, classic thrash band they're getting back together oh and, cool. uh, yeah um and shit well you know my thing is the three tremors we leave saturday we're doing mm-hmm. a, a tour six days in the uk we're headlining <clears throat> a pretty good sized festival out there with rhapsody so oh cool man you know, this, this new we just did six date. you know three dates in texas three dates in florida new territories mm-hmm. and the people have been supporting it. You know, this is like a new band. So we're building it, you know, going out as a headliner with a new yeah. band. It's not easy, but you know, we sold out of all the merch and the people that see the three tremors are just like mind blown on how, you know, cause it's a unique thing with the three, with yeah, the three of, of us. You know, oh, yeah. So, um, that's been our main focus. And then, you know, we're going to be working on, we're like halfway through actually the new three tremors record. And we're going to be working on a new cage record. And um, yeah, it's been a while for that. Yeah, and then the new Death Dealer album is going to be out in like September, October. That's been done for a while now. Oh, We're just cool, trying cool. to spread it. And then we'll probably be doing some shows related to the Death Dealer. That was fun because, you know, those guys are really fun to play with. Um, mm. I can give you a little piece of news right now. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a new bass player in Death Dealer. Okay. Who is he? Mike, Mike LaPond. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he's in, he's in this band too sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, and um, he did an incredible job on the album. I mean, normally, like, the album comes out, I don't give two shits about the bass guitar. And, and like, I can't even think of one album. Does. I've done where you could even, uh, this kind of music is always, but I mean, this man, he, like, like. Oh, he's, he's good. He's very, very good. Well, he's not only good, you know, being able to physically play it, but the shit that he wrote and the little right. runs in between mm-hmm. the parts. Yeah, that, that's really what makes a good piece player. It's more when you see a bass player just sitting there in one string and then, you know, and do nothing. Yeah. But like Mike, he, he's all over the place. So it's, it's good. Yeah. He added some really cool parts that really made the songs better. So like, 
and that's a new experience for me. So that's a little breaking news, man. So I got all kinds of stuff going on. We're um, we're just uh, the other the, the secret thing is there's a lot of gearing up for that, and that's there's a lot of moving parts. And when we're ready to to announce it, I mean, we did you know when the tremors went out to Copenhagen, you know, Snowy Shaw came down from Sweden, I saw that. and and we played uh, e what do we play Evil and um the fuck evil and black funeral no black funeral curse of the pharaohs fuck what am i oh doing? cool oh cool so that and was really cool pack yeah, house. Actually dinner too at one point didn't you yeah it was dinner and snowy not dinner and snowy okay and then um and then like a couple uh well a couple months ago uh and they have that ultimate jam at the whiskey in hollywood and pete black came out uh-huh. it um we did Halloween and Evil. Nice. Oh, nice. So that was Very cool. Good. That was in, you know, packed house at the whiskey and, you know. Wow. I'm sure about, uh, somebody's calling him again. I'm sure uh, a lot of people were excited about that. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I, I hear you. Yep. I, I'm sure a lot of people were excited about Pete Black because uh, a lot of people probably haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, so that was cool, and um, you know that was for, that was a Halloween show. Yeah. Oh, Halloween. cool. I had to do my King Diamond impersonation, which kind of worked. <laughs> now, how'd you get them <laughs> to, to come on the show? Did you obviously you have contact with uh, Dinner and uh, and Snowy? But uh, what about Pete Black? You just appeared out of nowhere. I can't really say anything more than that right now. Well, did you DM him on on Facebook and say come down? <laughs> we we have co- we have common friends, you know. Right. And he he was going to be in L.A., so we kind of hooked up, and you know we really hit it off. He's a cool dude. Like you know, I met him, I didn't really know him, but we ended up spending a couple of days together and hanging out. So yeah, we really hit it off, and you know have a lot of similar philosophies on stuff. And uh, right. you want you want to talk about dude? So that guy you know, knows about the merciful fate thing from the beginning. Yeah. He's got the untold stories that no, I mean, there's a back history to merciful fate that like nobody's, I've never heard anybody talk about. Really? Uh, we had him on the show. We didn't really talk about merciful fate. We talked about his, uh, his, you know, King Diamond uh, stuff. Well, but I mean, you know, he was in that, they wanted him for King Diamond. Yeah. You know, when King Diamond first started, he kept saying no, no, no. And he, he got yeah, Andy yeah. LaRocca in it. You know, Mike Mickey D was in, in his band. Yeah. Uh, Geisha, you know, and he's like, oh, come on, I'm going to join. And he didn't want to join. But he's, um, you know, one day, maybe I'll talk him into getting back on the show because he needs to tell some of those stories he told me. Because I was just like, what the fuck? So yeah. there, there, there's a real deep untold you know beginning early years king diamond stuff that 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 he knows all about and you know him and him and mickey d and michael denner were like the three musketeers in copenhagen back in the day they were just oh, like yeah. fucking yeah. partying every other night all <laughs> over copenhagen like yeah. ruling the night you know and he's just like you know hank was never really around like you know we, we were all hanging out and like we never saw hank anywhere you know yeah, yeah he seems to be like a little uh, a little strange yeah. Um, and that's a shame because you know he is a little bit of a recluse, but I, you know I really I bring out the fun and everybody, man. And we were all having a good time, man. He was laughing, and you know they're like, "Oh man, you really bring Hank out of his shell," and you know, 
<laughs> we were, I was getting them to crack jokes and shit, and you know, so it was right. it was a cool vibe. And um, one time, though, Hank and Denner did get in a big fight, and in, in, it was in fucking Copenhagen. Den, uh, what is it? Uh, Danish. And we're like sitting there, and like, oh, me and Mark, the bass player, like, oh, are these guys fighting right now? And then all we heard was, uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, Sherman, Sherman. I'm like, wait, what? Sherman, Sherman, what the fuck? And then, like, the band broke up for like a couple months, and then thank God they fucking patched it up. I was like, fuck. Uh-huh. And they get in a big fucking fight. But yeah, they patched it up. Uh-huh. And, but now here we are again in this bullshit, you know? Yeah. Um, you took Steve Grimmett out with uh, three tremors. Are you going to do anything with him at all? Um, we're he, we're going to see him in this UK tour. We're going to probably do a song with him, and um, he's just stole my guitar player and drummer for the Grip Reaper tour. Casey and Sean yeah. are going to do the US and Canada run with them. Um, oh, and uh, we think, um, yeah, we're actually we have a we have a a three tremors vest we're presenting him with at the show as an honorary member of the tremors because, you know, he filled in at the last minute for us and really helped us yeah. out. Yeah. Super cool, yeah, well, dude. Um, well, that's kind of our thing with the tremors. We have like, whoever's in town, we have them come up and sing with us. We just had Wade black right. killer with us. We had Mike Stark, who's in this band Stormburner and Sweden killer album Stormburner. Mm-hmm. He got up and sang with us. Ronnie Hamlin from, uh, uh, Tad Morose came up and sang with us. So, okay. or, you know, if we have buddies that, that are singers, we get them up there. And they have, we got this drunk guy the last night come up and sing Breaking the Law. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Tremors thing is really fun, man. I mean, it's the music is serious and shit, but when we're um, when we're in between the songs, we're just like cracking jokes and shit. So, right, yeah. you gotta get the uh, unknown vocalist on the trem- uh, one of the Tremors tours. Uh, that's uh-huh. like I said. That's the only way I was going to get in the tremors is if I started. That was the only way I was going. <laughs> you know how that band is. Um, what else is I going to ask you? All right. Oh, so, so we talked about King Diamond. So let's get back to King Diamond a little bit. Um, what is your favorite King Diamond or Merciful Fate song? Uh, is that one song that really like got you hooked? Uh. Is it dressed in white off the Fatal Portrait? I really like that one. Yeah, that's one. Um, that um, Princess of Hell, I really like. Right. Now, uh, is it Princess or Princess? Because it, Princess. A really big debate about that. It's Princess. Prince is because it's spelled wrong on the uh, release. It's not Princess. Is it really? Yeah. That can't be Princes of Hell. Princes? It's Princes. Yes, Princes. It's a song about the seven princes of hell. If you actually read the lyrics, <laughs> it's really? pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I, it's been well, a I didn't read the lyrics, so yeah. Princes of Hell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it it, it guess... sounds weird. I guess it's a pronunciation thing, but um, yeah, it's, it does sound like princess, but that's not what he's saying. All right. Uh-huh. I'll have to ask. Yeah. Uh, well, I've I've actually read uh, King say that in a few interviews. It actually seems to be one thing that really irritates him. Actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, he uh, you know was hanging with those dudes was incredible though. Hank and Mike, you know, hearing all the old stories and 
how, you know, Michael really got King into the whole occult thing. And because you know, we, you know, when we, I spent a lot of time in Copenhagen and, you know, we, we spent some, me and Michael Denner spent some late fucking nights together. We, you know, watched the sun come up bar mm-hmm. to bar, fucking shooting pool, playing cards, drinking, you know, so me, me and Michael got really tight and I love the dude. And, uh, we always, every time, you know, we, we take the tremors there where we have a big expensive lunch and dinner. I should know. I end up paying every time for some, I don't know how the fuck I get stuck with it. So yeah, just hearing those stories. And that first time I was in the jam room with those guys, I was just like, Holy shit. You know? Yeah. You go to his uh, music store. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It looks he cool. makes some cash out of that place. No, it's totally, it's super small and cramped. Not really. I, I hung out with him for like four or five hours there one day, and he's just like, I'm like, dude, how do you make any money at this place? It's just like a fucking cash register. Dude. People just come in there and buy shit all day long. Wow. Low over. Cool. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. It's always fun with me. It is. It is oh, always yeah. fun. You need to come on the show more often. You're always full of stories. Anytime, man. Hey, uh, a short so, segment. <laughs> we need to go back. Yeah, I got. I got some great stories to tell. I, I'm loaded. I'm loaded with them. So, uh, three tremors. The three tremors. dot com. Cagehebbymetal. dot com. Uh, Steelcartel. dot com. Hit me up on Facebook. All the social media. Always answer. Uh, thanks for all the support, everybody. I mean the. Support's been great for all this stuff, and you know, appreciate you guys. You guys are always fun, and uh, thanks for having me, homies. Homies, yeah, thanks no for coming on, brother. You're always welcome here. Maybe I'll break the big news with you guys. Maybe one time we'll see if oh. Chip will let me let me go that route. We would, we would oh, love that'd be we cool. Some, we need some exposure on Blabbermouth. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. man. Talk to all you right, later. all right. Thanks again. Later. podcast to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls, The Infinite Fringe, a watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius Guitarist, The Timo Tolki Podcast, and The Great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.